Greetings and welcome to the Spooky Scouts. If you found us, you show an interest in questioning the suspicious, investigating the intriguing, and attempting to distinguish fact from fiction. Each meeting, we will evaluate a topic of choice and find stories, evidence, and history to discuss and debate. Join us in earning some merit badges, Spooky Scouts, if you survive. <laughs> Two spooky scouts! Welcome. Kayla was just telling me about a spooky Mothman thing before we started, and I was like, oh, Yes. We could start that I guess that's also a current event. Yeah. I it is current. I rewatched rewatched the Mothman prophecies last night, and it is not good. <laughs> uh it had been a while since I had watched it and I just remember like when I watched it like years and years and years ago I was probably a teenager or something I I remember being like whoa this is really scary there's a guy with a weird voice calling on the phone and right? Mothman yeah. flew at the car and she drew <sighs> like the whole thing is she like draws all these scary pictures yeah. of him and I was like mm, so scared and then I watched it last night and I was like this is bad actually <laughs> Who's the guy in it? Is it Richard Gere? Oh my god, yes, yes. He's he's, he's not <laughs> like he's not a I don't think he's playing with a full deck, as they say. Yes, that I and like say. also I don't know if it, I guess it was like a product of movies at the time, but like you don't see this as much anymore because it feels inappropriate or not and not I don't know. It's not for me. Not appropriate. Yeah, basically he like constantly shoves the lady up against the wall and like is like, like she tries to leave and he like pushes her up against the wall and pins her there and stuff. And I was like, that's not great. That's not good. Don't like that. Um, But in general, that film, not scary, not Mothman-y enough. And actually it focuses on the concept of Indrid Cold, which I was telling Holly about before we started, because in the movie, if you remember... It's about Mothman, but Indrid Cold is a figure also in West Virginia that I they classify as an alien, but it's the it's a man who just is like smiling. Oh, and he's just a creepy smiling man. So if you Google him, this like cryptid wiki comes up, and it's it's horrifying. It's a horrifying image. Um, it's Indrid I N D R I D last name Cold. Uh, Weird. So in the movie, when Mothman calls, that's that's what he says his name is is Indrid Cold. Hmm. But I'm pretty, he's like associated with UFO activity, associated with the men in black. Um, he's just a smiling man with in like, like a that green really suit. like smiley guy. Yes, I've seen pictures of him before and it's not cool. Yeah, it's not cool. <laughs> don't like it. It's not cool. I don't like it. Um, I think he ha- he might actually have something to do with like prophecies and stuff. So, you know, him being associated with Mothman in that movie, who also had to do with like prophesizing that bridge collapse and other things. It, it made sense, but I do think that, like, he might make a good, make good subject matter for a future episode, because he yeah. seems to have visited West Virginia quite a few times. Um, and I know nothing about this, this, this creature character, so I'd be interested to research it. Yeah, he, he also is associated with Point Pleasant, so huh. I don't know what's up with Point Pleasant, but huh. some weird stuff going on there. So Interesting. Just wanted to bring that up. Uh, did not enjoy yeah. that film um maybe <laughs> as don't. much as you did back in the day huh? yeah maybe don't yeah. i don't know maybe don't watch it i don't know live your bliss uh but yeah that's that's what i've been up to what about you well i i've mostly just been shipping cardigans yeah so cardigans are all the, leaving us yeah 
Uh, cardigans are leaving us. We have more, but they're going to be at PAX. Getting our PAX booth for recurring hens ready, which will have Spooky Scout shirts at the PAX booth as well. So getting all that stuff ready. Um, we'll also have cryptid mugs. Oh, yeah. The mugs mug came out Kay- so nice. They're so cute that Kayla drew a little cryptid Spooky Scout mugs. And they have like a little like path from the tent. It's very cute. That's what I've been up to. Um, I have been in keeping up on the QAnon stuff. And uh, <laughs> did you hear about uh, Mike Lindell, the My Pillow Guy's cyber symposium? The what? So Mike Lindell, the My Pillow Guy, which I I really enjoy uh, Seth Meyers like comedy about him because he does this really funny like bit about the pillow guy because he talks like this and he's like <laughs> he's like my pillows are full are full of like charcoal because they're comfortable and then he like he does this like whole stupid voice if you've seen it seth myers is an actual comedian unlike myself which who's just a nerd <laughs> but, uh, it's very funny it's very very funny um but he had a cyber symposium that he said that he was going to release like all of this information about how the election was stolen and Q and all this stuff. And uh, it was a bunch of false information that was peddled by another guy who had given a bunch of false information to Alex Jones about Pizzagate, like back in the day. <laughs> but it was the same guy. And the podcast that I listened to, like talked about it. It was just, uh, it was like, if they had done, if this, if this poor pillow man had done even an iota of research, he would have realized that, like, all of this was bogus from someone who was clearly not credible. But he had, like, a whole cyber symposium that during the symposium, during it, he got the inform- he got the notification that the Dominion, the which I always remember that because of Deep Space Nine. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's also my Domin- utility yeah. company. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, Dominion, the Dominion voting... Uh, voting company like he did he didn't get acquitted so they're suing him for like two billion (laughs) dollars during his symposium he was like just so you know i just got this information and they're suing you know this is bad for america and i'm like you're a pillow salesman what's happening what the frick i don't think he's like that's the problem jury in chat said he looks high i don't think he's high i think he's just off the rails like so that was my update on uh, the conspiracy theory. Oh, yes. Yeah, Jack in chat also said that he's claiming someone tried to kill him, trying to take a selfie. It is like, it is. It's just, it's like getting worse. Like, I, it's like getting worse. Like, what? I feel like, I feel like it's getting so much worse. Because it's like, first they were like, oh, trust the plan. Oh, you know, it's going to take over. And Trump was supposed to be reinstated on the 13th as as future president and it didn't happen like it's just i'm just like like man the world is falling apart enough like all this afghanistan news yes all this other stuff which is so depressing and they're like no we the the my pillow guy needs to have his pillows and he's just has all this information i'm like no no you don't my my sir my dude my, my man, guy my guy you just just please just go away <laughs> like Oh my god, I know. He said he kept leaving. I was it was so weird. It was so weird. That it is... was so weird. And oh and yeah, the the Arizona um audit for the election where they hired cyber a company literally called Cyber Ninjas. Stop. 
Yes. Cyber Ninjas <laughs> was hired to audit the Arizona election, and they were like, there's BAM. I'm not even joking. And this is like, this is off the rails and racist. They were like, there's bamboo fibers in the paper. So this paper came from China. I was like, is this a cartoon? Are you a cartoon? Like, this is <laughs> literally, they were like, this is, and of course they didn't find anything. They just threw out this completely unsubstantiated evidence. Yeah, my, I know. Anyway, I this is what I do in my free time as I research this stuff and then bring it here to tell you all how horrible it is because I get some sort of bizarre schadenfreude from <laughs> this, this like, just just the, the absurdity of it all. That is absurd. Yeah, it's just the absurdity of it all. Like, why? Uh... Yeah, there's bamboo fibers in my sheets, in my clothes. Like, I don't... So anyway, that's your uh, that's your descent into madness update. The Q update of the, the Q week. update of the week. Descent into madness. I think we're all doomed. Yeah, I think that's why I find it so fascinating because it's just so bizarre. Um, NBT witch in chat said, "What drives me mad about Q people is Jeffrey Epstein was a real thing, absolutely." And they're like, "Nah, the real conspiracy involves the basement of the pizza place <laughs> with no basement." Yes, and Jeff and Jeffrey Epstein absolutely did all that stuff. Like, was totally murdered. Like, and all of the things that he was involved in had all these powerful connections, and a hundred percent was like the grossest of gross, like abuser, like pedophile. All that evidence, 100% real, like, it's in the law books, mm -hmm. and he paid everyone off. And they don't care. Like, they're just like, no, it's under the pizza place. And, like, it's a pizza place. It's a pizza place. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, maybe pay attention to the to the things that are actually happening. Yeah. Also, we found out that people are making fake vaccine cards, which I hurts my brain hurts my brain so bad that I just don't even know. Is it that? Like, what gets me is I, when... I heard about that. I was like, surely no one is that dumb. Just simply go get a free vaccine. Like that's. It's free. It's free. Oh no. But did you hear though? This is, I'm sorry. I'm getting all wrapped up again because of my elder millennial problems. <laughs> but apparently the governor of Florida is subsidizing rendezivir, which is a like thousand dollar antibody treatment and, and pushing that instead of getting people the vaccine. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know. And I can tell you, I've been vaccinated and I don't have any 5G yet. Yeah, I'm cool. I've been vaccinated. I'm fine. I really would like some of that 5G. If anyone can, like, maybe it can, like, turn me into, like, a horse or something. Yeah, alter my sweet. DNA. I would, I don't know. I want some Animorph powers. If someone could give me that. If you could upload my consciousness sick. to the internet. Oh, like, yeah, yes. That's why. That's why. Uh, and, and, and BT Witch was because his wife invested millions in Rendezivir. And he's just like, uh-oh. Like, like, don't look at that. Don't look at the fact that I'm literally, like, insider trading with people's health. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'm so tired. I'm so tired, I too. I think that's why I'm at the point where I'm just like, I am so exhausted from all of this. It is. It's so much. So upsetting. Yeah. It is so upsetting. And it's so like, there's so many ways to just solve all of these problems. And instead, they just all were destroyed and everything's bad. And I'm yep. like, okay. Okay. I won't even go into the collapse stuff I read this week. We don't <laughs> even need to go there. Well, 
the only other, the only current event I brought to the table was an article I forgot to save, so I will just summarize it for you, which okay. is, which is the <laughs> fact that there have been studies about UFO sightings in Canada, and Canada's yeah. military has consistently seen many UFOs. And in this article, they had talked to someone like in the Canadian military, and they were like, "What do you think about this?" And they were like, "We, we, we don't. We're not gonna look into it." We're good. Basically, Canada was like... Oh, okay. Canada was like, we know. And we're good. Like, we don't... Okay. We don't want to look into it, actually. Okay. And I was like, all right. All right. I mean, so they were just like, we're done. It's done. They were like, we have no interest in pursuing (laughs) this at this time or ever. And I'm like, fair. (laughs) You know. They're like, they're not here to take all our maple syrup. Yeah. So, and just also, let them like, go. let's not mess with them. Maybe just, you know, that's good. We good. That's like, I mean, it's really the best, the best outcome. If we have no answers to just be like, there they are. Yeah. It just, it reminds me of, I told Holly uh, this story from my coworker when he saw Mothman, which I feel like I should summarize, at least summarize. That's- you haven't, oh yeah, you haven't told that story yet. That story's messed up. I haven't told that story and I feel like it's, like, if I it's could ever convince up. him to come, like, onto the show and tell it, it would be much better. But basically... It's good. It is a good story. So I think I'm going to tell My, it and he can get mad at me <laughs> if he ever I listens think, to this. No, I think it's it's a good story. His identity is protected. So yes. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. But Kayla has met them in person, which means that it is... An eyewitness account. It's an eyewitness account. So let me tell you, as our maybe this can be the the dip into the first campfire story. As I will yes. tell you this story. So we're gonna we're gonna share some different like what what telling a campfire story meant to, to either of us. So naturally, Holly did some actual research, <laughs> and I googled campfire scary story internet forum, and I'm bringing those to the table. So <laughs> yes, yes, the juxtaposition of this show. <laughs> Are those, those are the, the, what you get. That's what you get. The two sides of research. So the, the first story I will tell you is the story of when my coworker saw Mothman. So I live in an area that borders West Virginia and in between Virginia and West Virginia are mountains, trees. It's very forested. And, uh, he actually lives on the edge of the national forest. Like that is his backyard is the national forest. So there's just been weird stuff. Like he's, he said, he's, he said there's weird stuff. Um, but he said one night his neighbor's dogs were just like losing their minds. It was the middle of the freaking night. So he woke up, um, and looked out his window to see if he could see what was going on. Cause, cause he was on the second floor and his window kind of looked out to, to both of their backyards. So he could see, the, his neighbor's fenced-in yard where the dogs were and his own backyard. And he looked out and he saw a shadow underneath of a tree just outside of his neighbor's fenced-in backyard. And he, in his head, was like, someone's out there messing around and spooking the dogs. Um, but he registered in his mind that the branch that the figure was standing under was nine feet tall and the thing's head pretty much touched that branch. And he was like, okay, (laughs) maybe it's Uh not a child. But just in case, like, 
presented with with this situation he was like it has to be like a person like there's just no way this is a person out there messing with these dogs and the dogs are losing it and they're looking at this thing so he goes and gets his gun and he heads outside to go see what it is he goes outside and he sees this thing or no he saw this from before he went outside he saw this this part um because i think this is what prompted him to get the gun was the fact that behind so it's like the fenced in yard and then uh, there is a ravine. And he said the ravine is like maybe 10 feet across. Too far for a person to jump. It's like, a, and it's a pretty deep ravine. And then it's the forest. So he could see from his window that the shadow drifted across the ravine and came back. Like it, it and he said it wasn't like it jumped. It just no. like no. hovered is how he described it. And it came back and the dogs the whole time were like losing it and just like watching it. So I think that's when he got his gun and decided to go out there. Cause like, he's still like, what? I don't understand. Something's going on. And as he goes outside with his gun, his neighbor gets home. One of his other neighbors, not the one with the dogs. Um, And that neighbor is a cop and he was getting off of his shift. So he still had all of his gear and everything. This is my favorite part of this whole story. This is my favorite part too. (laughs) So he was still like good to go, ready to deal with any situation. He was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Why are you going outside in the middle of the night with a gun? And he was like, there's someone in my neighbor's backyard doing something. Don't understand. Do you want to like, let's go see if you could deal with this, like figure out who it is. And they go to the backyard and they're still kind of far away. They're far away from it. They don't get up on it. And they see it still standing there. And it, the dogs are, like, losing their minds, like, right there on the other side of the fence from it. And it, like, tilts its head down or what Ugh. looks like its head. Like, just, like, doop, like, tilts it down. And like this? Wait, is it, like, like, I imagined it when you told me this. Like, it's, like, a, like, a, like, Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, however you say it, creature. Where it's, like, like twisting its little head down yeah, like that. Yeah, he said it was just, like, it, it doesn't even <sighs> look like it's a head. Because he said it was, like, a really narrow yeah. shadow. No. Um, but it just like went that. Beep, like tilted no. down and no. he said the dog stopped barking and sat down when the thing did no. that and just like sat no so no. they watch and and they see this happen and the dogs like chill out and sit down and the cop looks at him and says well fuck this and he just leaves <laughs> he just like was like nope <laughs> and just left I just love it that the cop's like, yeah, I can't help with this. This yeah. is, I gotta go. Sorry. Bye. Pr- protect and serve, but not here. But not this. <laughs> but not with this. And then he said the thing, like, went across the ravine and disappeared and was gone. Wow. Um, But he did say the next day, like, a bunch of his neighbors were talking about it. And they were like, what happened last night? Did you hear anything? Did you see anything? Because one of his neighbors had two Great Danes. And he said that the neighbor, like, heard a bunch of noise and commotion and, and, like, the next day got up and his dogs had busted down the back door, went outside and (laughs) got so scared by something that they came back in and peed all over the floor and, like, went back to bed. So, and he said that his neighbor's dog, he, like, for a week after that, the ones that had saw the thing and sat down, would not go back outside and his neighbor would have to like drag them physically back outside to go outside and he See, would watch like, them like his neighbor would have to just drag them yeah. out like wizard of d said it might be a bear i'm like not if it hovered no it's not a bear i think like we uh the thing is like you guys don't even have bears yeah right? we have black bears but they're not that oh, okay. big and also we know what black bears look like <laughs> 
here because they're yeah. pretty common, especially in the forested area. Well, and and mostly the black bears like aren't creeping like that. Like they're usually just digging through your garbage. Yeah, they're digging through <laughs> the garbage or like climbing tree. They're not gonna like be nine feet tall. Like there's no way. Like a black black just, bears are not that big. I hate how you, he described it just looking down. I was like, oh, oh no. Yes. So, like, did he get the dogs in after that? Like, did they come back in? Like, yeah, his dogs the, who uh, stopped barking? The, neighbor, the neighbor's dogs, I think, went went inside after that. He didn't really oh, okay. say because they did not want to come back in outside after oh, okay, that point. yeah. God, that's so scary. But yes, uh, I believe this to be a true story because the I believe the guy who told it to me. Um, well, and it's in your area and you've seen, like, weird shadow things in your area before. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, and like Jerry said, we have lots of bears here, like lots of black bears. So we would know Yikes. if it was that. And we would know. Like, there's a I difference. I do not like that. <laughs> I do not like it. So that's that story. No. And I hated it. And I'm regaling it to you. Yeah. So. Ugh. Perhaps he I thinks well, it's Mothman. He thinks it was Mothman. And then I sent him, like, some stuff on Shadow People because he didn't know about that. You're like, oh no, we have all. Don't worry, we have so <laughs> much worry, information for you. Plenty of options. It to go could through. be anything. <laughs> it could be anything. Um, yeah, you should get him to sketch what he saw. That'd be cool. Yeah, he described it. He said it was like really slender. It was like a slender, I, tall, like nine foot tall, very, very like overly slender shadow thing. But Mothman has glowing red eyes. That's like. what. Yeah, that's why I told him. I was like, it sounds more like it's a shadow person, except not. But. Yeah. He didn't say it had glowing eyes. It was literally just this, like, shadow. Ugh. So, unknown. Could could be... He he thinks it's Mothman, and I was like, I think that's more fun, so I will... Yeah, whatever. You know. I mean, an iteration of Mothman. Yeah. It's fine. Yep. So there Ugh. you go. That's my first campfire story. Ugh. Gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, so I have I have a story. If you all remember, I went to Joshua Tree recently... Um, and that's a big, that's, I feel like that's a very good campfire story sort of place, Joshua Tree. Mm -hmm. Lots of spooky things, UFOs, aliens. Um, but this is from a, a, like, it's kind of like a zine that exists out there called The Voice of the Desert and the Desert Oracle. Um, I picked this up out there, picked this up out there at one of the local shops. And it's got, like, little stories about aliens and UFOs and, like, all kinds of history about the desert. And I thought we would talk about um, La Llorona, which is a almost like a like hag like like um, like almost like a like vengeful female spirit mm-hmm. of the desert. Um, so I have a little story I'm going to tell from this from the Desert Oracle. Yes, I want to work through this book because it's got a lot of amazing stories, and the author Ken Lane is is super good. So here's a little. There's even a little like historical picture starting Ooh, got a little light you can see it of la Llorona. all right so so tuck in <laughs> here we go yeah light some incense i don't know <laughs> all right uh, hernan cortez is remembered as the conqueror of mexico but it was his mistress doña marina who did the talking if i pronounce anything wrong i'm so sorry i only grew up around spanish i did not learn it <laughs> So uh, all I can do is the basics. It was she, a Nahua from the Mexican interior, who always accompanied the conquistador. She spoke with authority in Nahuatl, 
the Hautol, I think, in Aztec, and then in Castilian Spanish. Enslaved and passed around neighboring cultures after her father's death, she was once called Malitzin. With another 20 slave women, she became a human gift to Cortez from the coastal Mayan people in the year 1519. A striking beauty often depicted by the Aztecs as towering over Cortez himself, she is remembered for her linguistic ability and her symbolic role as mother of the first mestizo, fathered by the, conqui- conqui- fathered by the conqueror. And she is damned as the original Malinchista, her namesake's her namesake slur, a sellout, one who betrays her country for the approval of the Europeans, the white men. The truth is 500 years in the past now, impossible to see in the context of its far-right era. Modern historians say her diplomatic skills likely prevented more massacres of the kind that the Spaniards let loose upon the Aztec nobility, yet some historians now see her as the real conqueror of Mexico. In the deep memory of the mixed and complex people born of Europe's thirst for empire, Malintzin is a spirit, too, a spirit that is part goddess, part guilt. She was, after all, named for the goddess of grass, but this was not the deity that would join her history and folklore. Her heart, the heartsick mother searching the irrigation canals and rivers and lakes for her drowned children, for the children that she herself had murdered in rage and sorrow. That entity is, this is going to be real hard because this is an Aztec word and I am not even going to be close to pronouncing it right. (laughs) I think it's Cal, Cal, wait, hold on. Calcatliku, Calcatliku, the Aztec water goddess, or is it Qualitzil or Kikloto, the snake god, dressed who abandoned her immortal son, Mixcotl, at the Lonely Crosswords. Mythology and religion evolved with history, with culture, adapting and reusing the entities seen and heard on lonesome roads and waterways by night. Such legends were not unique to Mexico. The Europeans brought their own. The Greek sorceress Medea and the Libyan princess Lamia both compelled to kill their divine children and suffer the loss throughout eternity. Then there is the Banshee of the Celtic tribes, known well by the conquistadors from Western Europe. Folklorists and other historians will forever peck away at the origins of the mythology. The children of Mexico and the U.S. Southwest need not be burdened with the origin story. They know all they need to know when they hear the name La Llorona. The weeping woman, the dark-haired weeping woman in the long white dress, her horrible wail breaking the silence of the rural night. La Llorona is coming. Children mustn't linger outside after dark unless they want to feel her cold, terrible hands wrapped tightly around their little throats, silencing the young ones as she drags them into the water. Enraged anew because these are not her children either, she wails in the night forever. La Llorona is seen along the canals and the creeks, at the crossroads and along the highways, a figure in white, radiant, yet only halfway here, halfway in our world and halfway in the other realm. She is often seen on the old Spanish trail throughout the Mojave Desert, the one we now call Route 66. Dennis Dispenza went online to share his childhood memory of seeing with his parents La Llorona along the highway during the 1960s. Here's an eyewitness. (gasps) We had an unusual encounter with a Spanish lady on a road in the Mojave Desert east of Los Angeles, California, late one night in the early 1960s. She was very beautiful, dressed in a flowing white gown and headdress. She asked us if we could give her a ride into Los Angeles as she had been left out on the road after a quarrel. She seemed to have an odd glow to her. The experience was so peculiar that my parents finally demurred and drove off. My mother was very upset by the experience. The spirit lady is also known to haunt the ghost town of Calico. I've been there! (laughs) 
now a tourist spot outside of Barstow, which is by where my high school was, uh, and has been regularly encountered over the decades. The author Lauren Morgan Richards claimed to have seen the White Lady as the specter roamed the perimeter of Calico, and he describes this close encounter in his 2015 history of Celtic immigrants to the desert southwest, Welsh in the Old West. The Wandering Lady is not the friendly ghost who continues to reside in Lane's general store. While the best-known photograph of the Calico pioneer and longtime shopkeeper Lucy Lane shows her in a long white dress, her ghost is a separate entity from that of the glowing Spanish lady or white lady of the Mojave. But Lucy Lane's wedding day promenade down Calico's dusty streets in 1893 has fixed in her place the, me the memory, a woman in white cheerfully walking in her wedding procession, even as the hem of her long gown turned the color of the desert sand. Her presence is still felt within the old general store which for many years served as the private residence of Lucy and her husband. The silver miner along the longtime water sub superintendent for Calico, John Robert Lane. When another local miner, Walter Knott, decided to purchase the faded mining town and turn it into a tourist attraction in the 1950s, Lucy Lane was long widowed and kept the general store as her home. The San Bernardino Sun-Telegram reported in 1961 that the hordes of desert tourists forced Mrs. Lane to put a private residence sign on her front door, or else be constantly interrupted. Walter Knott saw so much potential in his ghost town that he constructed replicas of Calico's buildings for his Buena Park tourist attraction, Knott's Berry Farm, which is gross, don't go there. Ugh. Calico itself he donated in 1966 to San Bernardino County, which maintains the old mining town as a historical park. By then, Lucy Lane had finally retired to another iconic silver town, Virginia City, Nevada, where she died in 1967 at the age of 91. While she had attended high school in Pomona, the desert always called her home, especially the harsh Mojave Desert around Calico, her primary home since arriving at the age of 10 in the year 1884. The coal mining town of Utah's Carbon Hunt County have their own white lady as well, with the unusual mishmash of vague and disputed origins. What's not in dispute are the frequent appearance of a spectral woman in a long white gown, sometimes wailing and sometimes warning, uh, and sometimes warning people to stay away from the crumbling mine tunnels around Spring Canyon, and especially in the ghost town of Latuda. There are darker allegations too. This ghost is said to lure people inside the dangerous mines, a legend connected to one of the worst coal mine disasters in history. Exactly 199 men perished on May 1st, 1900, when a spark ignited coal dust within the subterranean darkness of the Winter Quarters No. 4 mine. Some six decades later, the ghost of Spring Canyon was linked to the explosion of the remaining mine structures, although a high school boy ultimately took the blame. Abandoned structures on the edge of western towns are favorite haunts of living teenagers, too. <laughs> Ooh. Some of the richest tales of La Llorona come from Arizona, especially the ancient lands of Pinal and Maricopa counties, home to the advanced agricultural civilization civilizations of Sonoran desert peoples that thrive for a thousand years until the 15th century. When European colonists first explored the sun-blasted valleys of Salt and Gila rivers more than a century after their abandonment, they found extensive networks of canals, intricate manufactured goods, and evidence of great ceremonial architecture, such as the Casa Grande ruins. The writer Jason P. Woodbury, who also grew up around Coolidge in the Casa Grande, tells of La Llorona hauntings the canals, farm, the canals and farm roads of his youth. When the population of Arizona's Valley of the Sun began to thrive in the 20th century, those ancient canals were put back to use, feeding the cotton and alfalfa farms where the new Arizona from Virginia and Kentucky and Illinois now toiled in the oppressive heat beneath the relentless sun. 
La Llorona claimed many young children attempting to cool off in the deep canals as their parents knelt in the cotton fields. The memory of the land of the irrigation and cultivation of this desert valley over two millennia persists not only in the canals with their ancient pottery shards shoring up the levees, but in the collective memory of today's Arizonans. It is in and around the sprawl of Phoenix that La Llorona takes forms unknown in the rest of the Americas. It's here that she has made the difficult journey from ancient canals to modern, modern plumbing. Within the, rest, within the restrooms of elementary schools and neighborhood parks of Phoenix and Glendale and Tucson, La Llorona haunts the sinks and bathroom mirrors. Here, instead of the Bloody Mary legend of Catholic schools, it is the weeping woman who appears in the darkened mirror. Invoked, invoke her at your own risk by chanting her cursed name. Wherever Spanish and indigenous peoples mixed in the Americas, La Llorona thrives. She is part of the Halloween festivities at Florida theme parks and Tia de los Muertos celebrations in old San Antonio, and she looms over San Francisco in Juana Alicia's 2004 mural in the Mission neighborhood, La Llorona's Sacred Waters. On the central coast of California, the Shumash knew her from ancient times, and they called her Muxula, a panther-like creature with dark, leathery skin who wails from the oak forests. At the wild and magic place known as the Western Gate, today's Point Conception, the Shumash warily met this wailing gatekeeper from the other world, La Llorona, the horrific messenger of death, the mournful phantom cursed to accompany souls between the dimensions, between realities. Listen for her at the lonesome edge of town and watch for her. And that's it. <laughs> I love, I love how they're, and, and I saw this come up in chat too, but they're, and, and you mentioned that in the book, but there are so many other cultures that have mm -hmm. that type of That's... story. Like the, it makes me think of the Rusalka, which is like my favorite water, water yes. lady myth. Um, but it's yes. very similar, you know, I love the, I love that just this little like diatribe of all the different desert white ladies, like the ghost in uh, Calico ghost town, like all the other, all the other ties into it. And even the Shumash, uh, stories were fascinating with this like leopard lady it's cool that's interesting i thought that was a a campfire story worthy tale of spooking spooking children around the campfire yeah <laughs> a lot of, i mean a lot of these uh a lot of stories that you hear that are scary campfire stories are told to both i feel like oftentimes we we tell stories around the campfire because that's associated with continuing um, history. Like that's how history was passed on before we wrote things down. Mm -hmm. Is telling people telling these things to each other. So that's why a lot of times when I think of these scary campfire stories that we've heard when we were kids or that we're hearing now, they are stories that are told to different people to carry on a message and usually it's like don't go in the woods by yourself, yeah. you dumbass. <laughs> like or the water or the, or water. the canals. Yeah. Didn't you say that they like that you're not allowed to tell spooky stories anymore? Yeah, at, like national parks. So let me find that article because there was one of <laughs> That's the so sad. One of the articles that I read, it was the I think it was the American Camping Associated or, Association or something. They were talking about the fact that a lot of places have banned. Yeah, so there's this art this forum post i found from yeah american camp association so it's the aca message boards right very fish <laughs> and gizmo the wonder dog writes i'm not sure if this has been brought up in the past or not but i've been told that the aca has banned ghost stories is this true and a lot of people are like whoa 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 what that's whoa, dumb whoa, whoa. <laughs> um what are you talking about and they hate fun and uh rocket 
says, I don't know that the ACA banned them, but the trend throughout most responsible camps is to ban them via staff policy. And I'm like, that's dumb. Uh, Rocket. And Susie Q over here agreed with me because Susie Q responded, responsible camps? Susie Q, come that's on. That's a 75-year-old woman, yeah. 100%. Yeah, but I appreciate her because she said, responsible yeah. camps, come on. It's not irresponsible to allow ghost stories. It's tradition no. and fun for some kids. And some of those stories have been passed down for generations. And I'm like, thank you, Susie Q. Yeah, that is I correct. Amazing. And Speckles here throws in, I think it depends on the story. I think this is an interesting debate. So I want to know what people in the chat think and what yeah. you think. Um, I know what my opinion is, but Speckles, these are some arguments here. So Speckles says, I think it depends on the story. For example, we have a legend at our camp concerning one key walker. Folks at my camp will know what I'm talking about. And the little girl in the nightgown in summer of 04. Both of these scare the pants off even our oldest girls. So we try not to <laughs> tell them. But of course, the story gets spread anyway. However, there is a ghost who lives in Manor House named John, who is really nice and loves his CITs. I don't know what that means. He's just mischievous, not mean Campers or bad. Campers in training? Oh, maybe? Um, no. He's not. He's mischievous, not mean or bad. But supposedly, there is a portal to the un- the e- ether world, ether world up in the crawl space in the manor. Which is why it's all boarded up. And I'm like, excuse me, Speckles? Can you go back to this? (laughs) Um, And we also have a legend of the storybook tree about a girl who got lost on the mountain and a tree protected her or something. So it really depends on the story, even if it's tradition, you know? And I'm like, Speckles? Excuse me? So it's just interesting that these, these camps, they have all these stories. And you can tell... The one about the ghost in the boarded up building is probably like, don't go in the abandoned boarded up building, you dumbass. Yeah, yeah. There's one about like a girl getting lost in the forest. Don't go off into the forest by yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the origins of a lot of these are what can I tell these kids to make them listen to me? Because kids just like, not that they're misbehaving necessarily but their idea yeah. of their logic is at a lower level than I, like you know they, they just don't understand oh if i go out in the woods by myself at night i'm gonna get kidnapped or die like they're just yeah. like wow that's fun and you have to get them to understand some way quickly because mm-hmm. they'll just do it anyway so it makes sense to me like why these would exist and if they get a little scared whatever that's healthy like it's fine i grew up fine i got scared all the time so <laughs> healthy dose of paranoia is good for you yeah i think it's fine i mean kids have internet now so like you can't keep anything from them so like good luck with that i guess yeah so apparently they go on to say someone named camper nice name on the american (laughs) camping association forum (laughs) said i know that at my camp we are not allowed to tell ghost stories even if the kids ask for them because then a kid writes a letter home that says my counselor told me a really scary story and i had a really bad dream the kid might not have told you this because he or she was embarrassed to tell you because the other kids thought it was cool so you don't know about the situation until the parents call the camp wondering if their child is okay and start something so. I'm sorry, but if I was a child and someone told me a spooky ghost story, I wouldn't complain about it. I'd be like, whoa, that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would have been excited for it. Right. And then uh, Puka here says that they got told during training last year not to spread scary stories because they can be upsetting. So it's like... Yes, in- that's the point. Yeah. So, like, in all of these, <laughs> a lot of different camps apparently are telling camp counselors... Uh, to That's just so not funny. tell these kids things. Because I guess, like, they're 
They're afraid that the parents are going to come cancel them or something if you <laughs> scared their children, which is like the point. Yeah, so, I don't agree with that. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. It seems to be like a whole debate with a lot of people corroborating that, yes, we're not allowed to anymore because it will upset the kids and scare the kids. That's so weird. Yeah. My favorite was... No fun. My favorite was from Dom who said, I won't tell ghost stories for two reasons. Number one, they might actually scare the kids and I don't want to have to deal with a scared kid. Number two, I'm really horrible at telling stories. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right, Dom, thanks for keeping it real. I'm actually oh, bad at yeah, it, so I fair. don't want to. Uh, B. Zabor said, I'm going to tell my mom that Holly and Kayla are forcing me to hear spooky things every week. Yeah, tell her. I don't care. She can call me right now. That's fine. <laughs> I'm ready for a fight. But yeah, so. <laughs> Kayla's going to fight your I'm mom. I'm going to fight your mom. If she tries <laughs> to start some stuff, I'm fired up. This is why I'd be a terrible camp counselor. I'd be like, it's a story. Yeah, I literally would be like, I don't care. That's I'd the point. I'd be like, it's a story. I'm sorry that your kid's scared. Like, tell them to quit being such a wuss spy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. So. Yeah, I don't know. Have fun. It's spooky. It's fun. Yeah. So, like ruin that in my opinion yeah i think it's like uh duh your kid's gonna get scared like you go you send them to camp yeah stuff's gonna happen they're gonna go do yeah. something dumb they're gonna talk to people you can't like super I'm, i don't know i'm not a parent but in my <laughs> mind you can't you can't yeah. curate everything that happens to your child no. so like, I would be more... these are experiences that are valuable for growth like get told a scary story learn something from it i don't know like I would honestly be more scared of them being on the internet than telling them a scary story. Yep, that's much scarier. Like, like there's way worse shit they can see on the internet than they can hear from, like, a camp counselor's, like, spooky story. Yep. Yeah, and I'm just, like, there's nothing, like, also, if we stop telling these things, we're going to lose these stories. Like, the, the one person who said, like, oh, you know, the ghost that lives in the house and there's a portal to the ether world in the basement or the, the attic or whatever, it's, like that's cool. Can you please tell me that story? Like everyone, you know, you can keep sharing these stories and then it becomes a shared yeah. experience. It's something like when you're growing up, I know when I was growing up, there's, there's some scary stories around where I grew up and we would talk about them or like go and try and figure them out. Um, yeah. Like I've been to Calico ghost town. I was like, I didn't know there was like an, I knew it was called the ghost town. I definitely thought there were ghosts there. Cause it was called the ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, hearing that there's, like, some La Llorona thing, I was like, oh, fun. I would love to know that as a kid. Spooky. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, uh, tangent, but sort of associated. Uh, have I talk Have I told you the one, the Crybaby Lane one, which I think is a pretty common... I, I think I've heard that one. Yeah, it's not, like, specific to any one area, but I heard it growing up that there was... I, I live in the middle of nowhere, and basically we we were told that the real crybaby lane existed at a specific place someone told us like yes uh -oh. this is where it is you go up the side of this mountain like you hit this part it's like four drives past that and you'll come to like this fence like this old fence and if you get out of your car at this fence that's where it is so that's where it is huh yeah so and i remember in high school we were like all right we're going to go and we're going to go at like middle of the night and we tried to find it and we couldn't, but basically oh, yeah. it's, it's a fun story. I mean, it's depressing, yeah. but it's like the, the woman that had 
It's like about some young woman who had several miscarriages and like would go and baby like bury her babies in this one spot. And then if you would go to this one spot and go out and say like cry baby cry baby cry baby lane or something, you could hear yeah. babies crying. Yeah. So that's we had a interesting, it's horrifying, but like yeah. it was a fun adventure to try and find. We had a bunch like that. We I remember people telling me the gates of hell existed in my town. Ooh, um, they probably did. You would have you'd have they probably did. Like you had to go find the gates of hell, that there were people sacrificing cats in the orange groves. We had a swing set that was haunted that if you drove by it at night, one of the girls, the elementary school, died, so you would see the swing swinging at night, mm -hmm. just one swing. Like all of those things were told like I mean, not over campfires, but, like, they were, like, spooky stories that circulated my hometown. Like, some of the Victorians were haunted. Like, just so many hauntings. There was a lot yeah. of hauntings. And that's interesting. And why would we want to stop sharing no, those No, I wouldn't. I tried to find the gates of hell. Never found them. Never found the gates of hell. But I do 100% believe they're there. I just don't know where. Mm. Just like Crybaby Lane's probably there. Somewhere. Don't know where. I don't know, because cell phones don't work out there, so we got lost and didn't couldn't find it. Oh, yeah. That's fair. We just got bored and went and probably got coffee. Yeah, fair. <laughs> also fair. Yeah. But yeah, so my, my opinion is that's real dumb, and I would be very mad if I were a parent and, like, my kid could not experience being forced to be terrified far away from home with no safety net. Be scared. It's good. Yeah. It's healthy for you. Um, Cephalobrod, which is a very funny name, said, man, the only argument I have against telling local spookum stories is that nowadays kids get arrested for being curious and investigating. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that depends on how active your, like, rural police force is. Like, I feel like in Seattle, like, I can't even remember the last time I saw a cop, so. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> I was about to say, uh, I, that never happened here, nor did it happen in Memphis when I used to go out in the middle of the night and break into abandoned buildings. <laughs> like, never got arrested, oh, I, so. We used to loiter. We used to, like, loiter at, like, three in the morning at, like, these haunted places in my hometown, like the Lincoln Shrine. And, like, cops would literally walk by us yeah. and just be like, hey, some kid stole beer. Did you see anyone running by? <laughs> we were like, No. Like, I guess they just knew that we were just, like, really boring. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's another interesting one was when I broke into the abandoned veterans hospital in Memphis in college. No, but that story's so scary. Yeah, like that was one <laughs> I wanted to go in because we were like, oh, yeah, it that that shit is hella haunted. Like, oh, yeah, it's like I don't know if the building is still there, but it was near the metal museum in Memphis, if anybody's familiar. But it was an old veterans museum. So it was like it wasn't large. And in the backyard of it was this like three-story white house that was the civil war um hospital did i say museum i meant hospital did i yeah anything civil war has to be haunted yes that's bad vibes if i said museum i meant hospital my brain is okay. working at like 0.5 percent <laughs> speed today it's a hospital so of course we were like that is haunted it is a old hospital oh yeah for sure um, we wanted to go into the civil war one but it was like it looked not structurally sound so we did not but you know, people had told us they had went in there and there was some scary stuff and that it was like very unsettling and gave you bad, bad feelies. So naturally we were like, let's go. Because again, like that concept of like being told a story and this being shared and like, let's go have a collective experience. 
So we went and I, I took a like homemade Ouija board, which was me writing on a piece <laughs> of poster board. And we took a tape recorder. So stocked up with our poster board Ouija board and a tape recorder. We we broke in and it was very creepy. Like there were like dental dentist chairs in one area with like the big old lights. And Those are worth a lot of money too. Yeah, it was cool. And like, there were lots of old books, but I didn't take I didn't take anything with me, which was stupid. I should have. But underneath was the mortuary. So there were there was also like a, a thick metal door. I think I've told you about that was like yes, yes. I hate it. Yeah, it was like no. a foot thick. It was metal no. and it was heavy. And when you went through it, there were a bunch of cages, like no! that could be locked. I hate this. I hate it. Yeah, and it was like so we went in there and we went into one of the cages and sat down and tried to record and talk to somebody and didn't hear anything there. But we did go on the other side because it was like a really long building. We went on the other side and there was a one of the hearing test chambers where when they shut it, it's completely silent yes. and they could do the boops and so you could t- say if you hear it. And we closed the door. So, of course, when you close the door, it's like insulated. It's completely silent. No. And we sat in there for a little bit and we heard chairs scraping. No. Like when we were in there, we heard it and it sounded like it was coming from like down the hall, which like we're in this like soundproof thing with the door shut and we're hearing what sounds like chairs scraping across the floor from down the hall so that was the scariest thing was we were like also we were like maybe it's like some homeless person <laughs> on cocaine yeah. like like because that was like definitely yeah i mean that's that gonna happen i never explored any like urban places because i mean a couple but like we didn't really have that many like it would just be old abandoned houses like nothing like that spooky like because that's old like it wasn't that old we just had like a wash in the back where I would like go explore and find like old pot plants that people tried to grow <laughs> and then they died. Their pot plants died because like it was the desert and you tried to stick it next to a dry river. So congrats person who tried to grow a single pot plant in the dead river. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So nothing that's scary. You need history. That's spooky. Yeah. Yeah. That was Ugh. scary. And I mean, I'm sure if we looked at that hospital, it's probably got a lot of history, but more than anything, that thing was definitely haunted if it still stands. Oh, yeah. I would not. For sure. Like, please don't go break into it. It definitely had a giant front gate. Was dangerous? Yes. The gate was, like, covered in barbed wire, but we, like, jumped the gate. Like, we, like, (laughs) climbed this 12-foot gate and jumped over it. Because, like. It's so haunted. That's so haunted. Hardcore. Yeah. Please don't do that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we just had scorpions and rattlesnakes, so I guess that's fine. Yeah, the other don't you have like some poisonous snake out there? Yeah, we got rattlesnakes and copperheads. And no, uh, the copperheads—that's the one. Mouse. No, 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 no. And then the other place I went into that was probably haunted was like there was like a ten-story bank downtown that we broke into, and we climbed all the way to the top. And like at the top, someone had tagged "Portal to Hell" or whatever. No. <laughs> And you come out and it's just really pretty because you could see the river, but like, you know. What is Portal to Hell? Yeah, but it was like a giant building. Like, I mean, 10 stories and tons of rooms. No elevator, just stairs. Oh, yeah, because the power was off. So we like, but it was like a building in the middle of downtown. So you have to break in, like you had to go to the parking garage and break in through the old entrance from the parking garage. So we went to the parking garage and then broke in and walked up to the top. 
So that's wild. Yeah, that was like Jury said, that bank was probably just haunted with the ghosts of capitalism. <laughs> I didn't experience any ghosts there. But definitely at nice. the veterans hospital. That's my spooky yeah, story. That's so that's so spooky. I hate it. Nothing on nothing was- caught on the recording. I did check it thoroughly. Um, oh, there was nothing. That's a bummer. I know, it was sad. Not even the chair moving? No, because we only recorded, we didn't record on the recorder when we were in that room. We recorded when we were no. in the caged room. You missed it. I know, but we all heard oh, it f- and we were like. <laughs> you learn from phasmophobia. You always have to have the E-major going. Just always running. <laughs> yeah, I hate that story. It's really cool, though. I mean, it's a cool story. It was a cool like building. It. it was really neat, like. It was pretty, I mean, all things considered fairly well preserved. It was definitely like dirty and old and like generally definitely very like Silent Hill looking, but it wasn't like structurally falling apart or anything. It was fine. That's so wild. So yeah, that's my personal scary story. I wish it had more exciting things other than chairs were being moved from far away. (laughs) Where were they? Like, but that's pretty weird. And I feel like the more subtle things tend to be more believable and yeah. kind of creepy. Oh, yeah, because it's less, I don't know, it's less, uh, I can't think of the right word, like, hyperbolic. Yeah. Well, and, like, I've read a bunch of articles and watched shows and stuff about ghost things, and it's, like, these, and this is something that I, I really thought a lot about ghosts, like, the, like, scientific technicalities about ghosts. But one of the things I, that someone was talking about, which I did, which did resonate with me, was like, oh, they don't have a lot of energy mm-hmm. to expend. So, like, a ghost spending any kind of energy to do anything, like move a chair, or make a noise, is like a lot of energy for them. I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Well, do you want me to read my little, my other little story? Yeah. So I have. It's kind of like an article slash story from from the American Museum of Natural History (laughs) about uh, the raven, the trickster. So I read a bunch of stuff about how Native Americans would tell stories around the campfire as well, which I thought was like, I thought it was kind of cool that like a lot of the lesson telling stories like from Native American culture came like when people would gather around the campfire to tell these legend stories, which I thought was like much more exciting than like, you know, Europeans just being like, yes, let's talk about the Bible and cry. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> the Bible and cry. So I love the idea of the uh, the raven stories. And this is he- from here, from the Pacific Northwest, a Northwest Coast native myth. So I'm going to read this little article about it from the Museum of Natural History. Um, it says, Raven was not thought of as a god. He was thought of as the transformer, the trickster. He was the being that changed things, sometimes quite by accident and sometimes on purpose. Um, in northern north- northwest coast mythology, Raven is the powerful figure who transforms the world. Stories tell how Raven created the land, released the people from a cockle shell, and brought them fire. Raven stole the light and brought it out to light up the world. Yet Raven is a trickster, often selfish, hungry, and mischievous. He changes the world only by cleverly deceiving others in his never-ending quest for food. In the Northwest, it's a kind of like an eldritch, like, space god in my mind. Yeah. Like, it's kind, of, it's kind of spooky. In Northwest Coast art, ravens signify the many adventures of Raven in the early days of the world. Those who know the stories cannot help being reminded of the trickster whenever they see a raven. 
Myths explain the natural world, describe the origin of a clan, or tell how the clan acquired rights to perform a particular ceremony. This excerpt is from a raven story published by Haida artist Belle Reed in, eight, in 1984. So this is how the raven brought light to the world. At the time, the whole world was dark, inky, pitch, pitch black, all-consuming dark, blacker than a thousand stormy winter midnights, blacker than anything anywhere has been since. The reason for all this blackness has to do with the old man in the house by the river who had a box, which contained a box, which contained a box, Ooh. which contained an infinite number of boxes, each nestled in a box slightly larger than itself, until finally there was a box so small that all it could contain was all the light in the universe. In the story, the old man hides the light because he's afraid to see whether or not his daughter is ugly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that's ancient. You know, I guess that matters. In a, ploy to, in a ploy to steal the light, Raven shrinks himself to become a hemlock needle and a basket of drinking water so the daughter swallows him. Soon, Raven is reborn from her as a raven slash human child. The old man accepts him as a grandson, and soon Raven begins begging that he open the boxes, one after another, each time pleading and crying until the old man yields. When the old man finally opens the box containing the light, Raven grabs it and flies out of the house, causing the light to spread throughout the world and revealing that the old man's daughter is as beautiful as the fronds of a hemlock tree. Oh, good. She's not as ugly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. As Raven flies away, Eagle sees him and tries to steal the light, causing Raven to drop some of it, which become the moon and the stars. Aww. Well, that's yeah. nice, except for, you know, the, is my daughter <laughs> hot? Like, that's... We all know that in the past, the only thing we care about is dead ass. In the past? <laughs> or do you mean <laughs> always? <laughs> yeah, man. That is a were-raven, though. You're right. Ooh, uh, yeah. It's were-raven. I don't know. I thought it was a fun little story. Obviously, there are some problematic parts because, you know, but I guess they cared about that. Guess that's what <laughs> they knows? cared about. But I like all the old Raven stories. I think they're fun. That is fun. I like the the stars, the creation of the stars. Yeah. It's very sweet. Oh, I mentioned a plant and here comes Geraldo Guacamole, Jesse, who right in the chat from nowhere saying, Hemlock fronds are the soft ones. Hemlock <laughs> Very fronds. pretty and good to touch. I did. I, I summoned you. I summoned talking Jesse about plants. Summoned. So apparently, hemlock is seen as beautiful, but it also has thorns. Poke, poke. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I like that. I found that Pacific Northwest story and some desert stories, um, some fun things like that. And Kayla found forums where people were yelling at each other. I did, <laughs> and I can. If we want to hear another story, I looked up a few forum posts where people just shared scary like creepy stories from when they went camping oh um i wish i had like a go-to camping ghost story i wish i had one i don't but i wish i did yeah there was one i started reading and i was like i have to read this one to holly i think that's this one okay it's a little lengthy but i skimmed that's it okay. and i, was I like, feel like mm -hmm. I feel like this episode we might not do stories afterwards because we've done so many stories. We'll have several and we can stories. just save them. We can save them. Say, I mean, save our email stories for next episode. Yes. So this is uh, OregonHikers.org forum. Oh, no. Um, and TJ underscore T asks, what stories do all of you have about camping and hiking? Any bone chilling encounters with animals, humans, or other? 
hair-raising stories of strange noises from unidentifiable sources. What do you have? And I ended up skimming this post until I came upon, I believe it was this one, Don Nelson, using his uh, real name. Very bold, Don. Um, Very bold. Very bold. So... He Don Don here says, I have a story about a very weird event that happened to me and one of my girlfriends, Nancy, while we were on a spring break trip in the desert southwest around the Four Corners area. We traveled out from Missouri in Nancy's Volkswagen bus. We went across Kansas and Colorado and into southern Utah. We camped in some very remote and wonderful places. There was one place in particular where we camped in south central Utah that had some excellent rock climbing, and that was one of the reasons we went on the trip. This spot was hidden and not at all popular or even known about. We spent three days climbing mainly sandstone and found some incredible native sites. Some of the Anasazi sites we found might have been never documented before. There was one dwelling well hidden high on a cliff alcove that still had a twig and mud roof on it. There were pottery fragments everywhere, even small corn cobs lying around. But the most outstanding thing was when we still could still see fingerprints of the builders of this dwelling in the mud used to cement the walls together. These fingerprints could have been thousands of years old or more. We were respectful and did not disturb the site anymore other than wandering around and looking. It was over 100 feet to the canyon floor with no obvious signs of how they got up to the site. Maybe long ago decayed ladders or ropes. We saw no other sign of anyone ever visiting this place in modern time. It was the most amazing place I have ever been. From southern Utah, we went into northern Arizona down into Flagstaff. One of the locals in Flagstaff gave us a hint on a great secluded place to camp and hike outside Sedona. We found the spot, and it was awesome. There was a small creek running by in a canyon with cottonwood trees, yucca, and poison ivy. Even with the poison ivy around, we spent most of our stay wearing very little and just sunbathing in the spring Arizona sun for three days. All right, Dawn. <laughs> From Sedona, we went to Winslow. Sounds nice. <laughs> Sounds really nice. Sounds nice, Dawn. From Sedona, we went to Winslow and waited for a flatbed Ford truck to come by. No luck. Then there was this dirt road we went to take that would take us into New Mexico from Arizona. The road was not marked, and we had to ask locally how to find it. We stopped by a grocery store and asked one of the clerks as we resupplied with food. Most everyone in this town was wearing a sidearm, even in the grocery, how to find this road. Why the hell do you want to go down that road was the response. That road is no place for a couple of girls to be exploring. You should just stay on the highway. But we are young and we want adventures, so we ask her again how to find the road. I lived here my whole life and only taken that road a couple times. Well, if you do go, be sure to have three or four spare tires. You'll need them. Wow. Three or four? We had only one spare tire, but decided to give it a try anyway. It was about 90 miles to pavement once we started with no towns, ranch houses, or anything in between. But we went and camped the first night about 30 miles in next to a cliff with all kinds of petrified logs lying around. We could see the cliff about four miles across the desert off-road and decided to drive cross-country in a Volkswagen bus with only one spare tire. It took a lot of time, but we made it, and it was so cool. Some of these petrified logs were 15 feet long and 2 feet in diameter just lying there in the middle of nowhere. By the way, we didn't see another car or fresh track the rest of the day. And the jackrabbits were everywhere when it got dark. Hundreds and hundreds. On day two, we got buzzed by two military jets as we were breaking camp. They were low to the ground, and I could clearly see one of the pilots... They were the only people we would see that day. We climbed a few hills that day and just poked around in general until it was time to look for a campsite. The map said there was a lake nearby, so we set out to find it. After a lot of searching and going in circles, we came up over a hill and there was the lake. It was a small lake and a big crater with a few abandoned buildings at the shore. There was no creek in or out of the crater and just a salt lake at the bottom. 
There was a gate on the road, so we had to walk to get to the lake in the building. We walked down, and it appeared that the structures were an old salt mine that probably stopped working in the 70s. Everything was still there, cranes and tractors, a warehouse. It was just like they left it and planned on coming back, but never did. On the other side of the lake were a few houses. It was about a mile walk around the lake. On the way there was a 100-foot cinder cone on the lake shore. There was a well-beaten trail up the cinder cone that we followed. At the rim of the cinder cone, you could still not see out of the crater. There was also a pool at the bottom of the cinder cone. We followed the path to the bottom, and here's where things get weird. There were hundreds of stick figures around the sides of this pool, some floating and most washed up on the rocks. Some of the figures were of people, some of animals, while others resembled dream catchers. All the figures were made from twigs and put together with cord. It felt creepy, and it was about an hour to dark, so we got going to finish the trip around the lake. This is like that witch house that I found. Yeah. With all those, like, hanging sticky things in it. (sighs) We got to the houses on the opposite shore from the salt mine, and they appeared to be bunkhouses, probably for the workers at the mine. One house was still livable, while another had a huge hole in the roof. There was graffiti on the walls with dates going back into the early 80s. One wall had big black letters that just read, Go away. There was still a workable outhouse and clotheslines. There were telephone poles, but the wires were down. It was just an abandoned little community. It was close to dark, so we hustled back to the Volkswagen and grabbed our sleeping gear. We decided to camp in the old mine. There were several huge concrete slabs with two-foot sides on them. I think they used these slabs to evaporate water from the lake to get the salt. It felt comfortable, so we cooked dinner, bean burritos, and dozed off to sleep. And then it started. I get a chill down my spine thinking about the next part. I was sound asleep and Nancy wakes me up saying, look at the lake, look at the lake. She is peeking over the wall around the slab. I sit up in my bag and can't see the lake because of the wall around the slab. So I stand up in my bag and look down at the lake. The whole lake from shore to shore is glowing a dull blue. Oh, come on. No. I figure it must be the moon, but the moon is not up. We look at the lake and try to explain what is happening logically. Maybe it's radiation. Maybe this is a uranium mine, Nancy and I said. I figured it was some kind of light producing bacteria in the lake. There was not a hint of wind, and then it started to blow, hard and instantly. With the wind came a hum slash howl that was almost deafening. We had to yell to communicate. The noise was much louder than just wind. It was constant howl that was pulsing higher and lower in pitch, rhythmically, every second. As the wind wind blew, the lake got brighter, from a dull blue to a light blue and eventually white. It appeared as if a 50-foot white flame was coming from the center of the lake, making the shore and surrounding area like daylight. The noise was still there and stayed just as loud even as the wind settled down. This lasted for over an hour. Then the noise stopped as suddenly as it started, but there was still some wind and a bright glow to the lake. The glow dimmed and we did our best to get back to sleep. We were awakened again, but this time by coyotes howling all around the area. They were near and far, some very close. The lake was black at this time, and the moon was up with almost no wind. We didn't get any more sleep and huddled together until sunrise. The coyotes settled down with the rising sun. As soon as it was light enough, we packed up our gear and headed back for the Volkswagen. When we got to the Volkswagen, there were fresh barefoot human tracks that looked as if they circled the bus twice. (laughs) The tracks came down from the rim crater rim edge and returned in the same direction. We pitched our stuff into the bus and hightailed it out of there. When we got back to pavement, we stopped in the nearest town for gas and breakfast. We were so shaken up, our waitress could tell something was up. You girls okay, <laughs> yeah. she asked. Sorry, Don. I, I I said Don was he, him, I think, earlier. And I'm sorry, Don is she, her. My bad, Don. We had a rough night, I said. Is there something I can help you with? You in trouble, she asked. 
I said I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where did you just come from? We camped at this lake last night, and then the waitress started to laugh. They don't like visitors. Who are they? I asked. Never you mind that, the waitress replied. Now what would you like? We stayed on the main roads and campgrounds the rest of the trip. I don't have a clue what happened at that lake. I looked into it when I got back, and there is the that lake is a spiritual center for the local tribes. The Navajo, Zuni, and Apache are all nearby. It was without question the strangest thing I've ever experienced in the outdoors. I'm sorry. I have strangled that lady. Oh, they don't like, they don't visitors. like visitors. Lady, lady, police. Lady, lady like a lady. 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 Like, also, I am a little suspicious of that story, only because coyotes don't howl. Yeah, they, like, scream. <laughs> they yip. They're like, ah! <laughs> But I guess, you so, know. I don't know. What else do you call it when you don't yeah. hear them normally? Yeah. That is really scary. Lady. I'd be like, lady. lady. Excuse you me. You want to tell me more than they don't like visitors. What are like, you that's talking not- about? That's not enough for me. Like, I need some information, please. Yeah, I like that story, though. I've never heard anything quite like that before. Like, ever. Like, that's a cool story. <laughs> no. That is a really cool story. La- lady, ma'am. Lady, ma'am, excuse <laughs> me. Ma'am, no. excuse me, ma'am, lady. <laughs> yeah, it's and to have a, a desert lake is also spooky. And then, like, there was all that stuff in those documentaries we watched about UFOs going into lakes. Yeah. And it's uh, like she said, that was like a crater and there was nothing feeding it. No. Did you catch that? She was like, there was nothing feeding it. It was just like a crater. And then there were like salt mines. No, thank you. Abandoned salt mines. No. Yeah. What was the lake called? Did it give you the name? Um, It it didn't give a name because it said that they just kind of, they were told it was maybe on a map and then they found it. But it didn't seem to have a name. (laughs) I would like no, to go. I want to drive there. I want to go. I want to see this lake and find this waitress and be like, "Ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> excuse me, ma'am, please elaborate." All lakes are haunted because there's goopity goobers under the water. Ooh. They're all like slimy and sticky gooby goobers. What? what? <laughs> yeah, like the ocean's not like slimy. You go into a lake and you like stick your foot down. Oh, and it's, it's like slimy. Bl- yeah. yeah, I thought you meant like that. snot otters. Oh, I'm. What's that? The the snot otters. They're called something else. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you, no, they're called snot otters around here. Are they? What? They're called hellbenders. Hellbenders. Yeah. What? Hellbender. It's a, um, it's a big salamander, but they also call them snot otters. Oh, the big salamander. Yeah. I was just thinking. Okay, I've never seen one of those. Yeah. But I have seen like the grasses, the, like the moss and the grasses. Never you, never you mind, Holly. Don't worry about snot otters. Yeah, they call them snot otters. Okay, hang on. Hellbender. Okay. Also known as the hellbender salamander. Other vernacular okay. names include snot otter, lasagna lizard, okay. devil dog, <laughs> mud devil, grampus, allegheny alligator, <laughs> mud dog, water dog, spotted water gecko, and Laverian water newt. Oh my god, lasagna lizard. Lasa- Why? <laughs> Grampus. I like Grampus. The Grampus and the lasagna lizard. I was always, uh, when growing up, I was told they're snot otters. So the Grampus. The Grampus. Amazing. Grampus. Those are all like, those are all excellent names. Yes. Yeah, so there are definitely those could be. You could step on a poor <laughs> lasagna lizard. Yeah, whole lasagna lizard maybe. 
Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, do you think we should? I was thinking that we already told too many stories, but I guess we could do a story. I don't know. We could do a story. Or I was going to say the other thing I wanted to talk about, and I think I've brought up before, was that creepypasta, The Goat Man. Because I what? think what? about it a lot. I'd read it, but it is so freaking long. Um, yeah. Because I pulled it up. We can talk like, about oh, it. It's long as fuck. Um, but the first time I read it, I actually did not want to go outside <laughs> after I what? read it. The, from the goat yeah, man? Yeah, because I read it. I read it as a whole ass adult. And like, after I read it, oh, I was okay. like, I'm not, I don't want to go outside actually. <laughs> but it was like. Yeah. So if I were to summarize it, it was, I'm going to look it up. I don't think anybody has done a good Aww. summary of it, but. The basics of the goat man are these kids, they go camping. It looks like they went camping in Alabama. There were like nine of them, nine total. Okay. Um, and they were teenagers, they're messing around, and they start smelling something weird. No. They describe it as like an ozone coppery smell while they're outside, uh-uh. and they go, they they just like weird stuff starts happening. They go into the trailer. And they realize, like, someone was outside or something like this. I might be telling this wrong. Please go read it. If you Google Goat, goat Man Creepypasta, like, you'll, you'll get it. Get it. Okay. But, okay. So they feel like someone's outside and they hear someone banging on the door. And it's, like, one of their friends. And he's, like, okay. freaking out. And they let him in and they talk to him. And some stuff happens. Whatever, whatever. They're inside, outside. And at a certain point, they're inside again. And they hear someone banging on the door. And it sounds like their friend but it sounds like like a cat trying to talk because i remember them distinctly describing it like when you try and teach a cat how to talk like you know those creepy videos of cats where they're like (laughs) but it was like that but they were saying like the same thing that their friend was saying when he was trying to get inside so it was like let me the fuck in but it was like it sounded like a weird cat talking and they start freaking out and apparently like they end up like shuffling around quite a lot and they realize at different points that some of them are missing and then some of them come back and whatever. And then eventually I think it ends up that they're all together and they realize that there's one extra person and they're like, how is there an extra person in here? What? And they start freaking out. And then that person, like they don't realize it, but that person goes to the bathroom or something and they realize it like escaped out the window. So like this person what? had been with them, like this extra person, they were like, oh, there's 10 of us in this room right now. So it was like this thing had like turned into a person or was a person and was like just sitting with them, just like vibing and then ends up like escaping. But it just no. like, it was so freaky. It's so fucking freaky. It sounds like a skinwalker kind of story. Yeah, it does. I don't know, Goatman. It's like, it's a big creepypasta and it's one of my favorites. And I, I feel like I didn't, I wanted to read it again, but I just like, it freaked me out so bad. Like, no, very, very well written. Ugh, <laughs> Dawn Seeker said it wants to be people. Yeah. It's like, it was like a weird, like cat thing <laughs> that they described it. It's super long. The story is, but no. that's spooky. I don't like it. I don't like yeah, it. but the the scariest part was like they go through all this where they're like yelling at each other and blah blah blah, and then they're like, "Holy shit, there's another person in here!" Like there was like another person, and oh my God. they had like no like they didn't know. And obviously, it's a creepy pasta, so it's not real. We know it's not real. Yeah, very scary story. I think if you want to read something scary, I would definitely Google Goatman Creepy Pasta and read it. 
Fun. So that was the other thing I wanted to talk about because I didn't know if anybody else had read it, but I was, I think it was like, I think I read it back when our No Sleep, when No Sleep was like a big thing. Oh yeah. 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 So I think I read it then and I was like, oh, <laughs> no, because I just think about, because it, it, it's like a creature that apparently just comes out of the woods and fucks with people. Like once wants to be friends yeah no i think it just like probably wants to like kidnap someone but like can like the thought of someone like this thing being able to integrate itself into a group of people and you having no idea is so scary to me and like that would be a killer campfire story to tell kids like oh yeah (laughs) he'd mess them up so yeah because like you know like don't worry kids like trauma will mess you up way better than like this stuff this is just a fun story like don't worry your parents are already gonna mess you up yeah but can you imagine (laughs) telling a kid like this happened to me and like at one point this thing was disguised in a group of people yeah and got like escaped um, now all of you go into your bunk beds like in your giant like communal (laughs) sleeping spaces and have fun like Please don't murder each other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Be- Bees of War said can't trick me if I'm always alone. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I went out. I went outside to let the dog out after I read it. And I was just like looking because I live in the middle of nowhere. And like there's like a hill across from my house and it goes into trees. And I'm like, is this thing going to come out of the trees? Because I think they describe it at a distance. Like if I remember right, like they see something at a distance that's like, a goat kind of like moving up awkwardly onto two legs and like trying to stand like a human is what it looks like no. from far away. So that's why they call no. it the goat man. Cause it's like, like a weird goat, like, and then it's like going to try to pretend to be a person. And I was like, ha <laughs> don't want to go outside tonight. Actually. I'm good. I'm scared. So that's, that's a scary story. Yeah. I recommend everyone going and reading and reporting back because I found it terrifying. I could, I have it pulled up. It was on the the creepy pasta Reddit. Oh yeah. I hope. Unrelated. I really hope people are nice to snot otters. Who wouldn't be? They're so cute. <laughs> I just hope people are nice to them. They're so big. They're so weird. They're big boys. Lasagna lizards. Lasagna lizards. <laughs> Don't be mean. What to What if them. they just want to be human? Who knows? Salamanders got it hard. Be nice to Sally. They do. No. They're they're trying their best out there. Sally's and spiders. Be nice to no. them. I know. They do their best. Listen. It's hard. It's hard to be it like an unloved creature. I know. I hate the idea of a... <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I hate the idea of a goat standing on a timeline. Yeah, like that. Like true. there are just aspects of the story that are hard for me to... I wish it wasn't so long because I would just read it, but it's really freaking long. Listen, the Dawn Seekers said campfire stories are nothing. Tell them the stories of modern late stage capitalism. Listen, our last episode already covered that. We're having fun. Yeah, having we're not fun doing now. that. We're not doing that. We're telling scary stories. About snot otters and goats and La Llorona who's going to come and scream and cry at you. Yeah. And all that stuff. <sighs> yes. Listen. Listen, we're having Listen. a good Lady. time. Lady. Lady. <laughs> Lady, I need more information than that. They don't like visitors. Haha. <laughs> Anyways, what would you like to eat? <laughs> Nothing. I don't want pancakes. I need information. I need some context. I need some context. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that was a good story. I'm going to read it. I haven't read that goat band story. Yeah, so. you got to read it. It's, it's just well written because it sounds like a person being like, 
our friends, we were just fucking around and like we would fight with each other and whatever. And it just like the way the story was paced, I was like, yeah. that's really good. Like you should write a novel with an editor, but like, good job. <laughs> I enjoyed this. Yeah. I enjoyed the pacing and the like reveals. Yeah. I was really into it. It's good. It's good. Oh, well, what do you think? Should we do a story or save it or do one? Do one story. Do one user submitted story. Yeah, let me pull one up. It's time for fact or fiction. We will be reading chilling tales submitted from the community and guessing, are these fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Use your best spooky scout skills to determine the truth. Do you have a scary story to tell? You can submit them to us at spookysaturdaystories at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Just make sure to include if they are fact or fiction and your name. Let's do one as a treat. As a treat. As a treat. Just a tiny treat. I know we did a bunch of stories that were pretty long this time, so I didn't want to bore everyone with spooky stories, but I guess that is the episode. Spooky campfire stories. Why would it be boring? I don't, I don't know. The anxiety. <laughs> I don't know. Anxiety dictates. Hang on. There, Google's making me verify I'm a human. Hang on. I don't know what show that was where the deer takes off its, like, hooves. Oh, yeah. What show was is that, that from, from Adventure Time? <laughs> I think. Where the deer, like, yeah, takes the, like, off and then it's got little. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it I was. I hate that. That's what I imagine. That's what I imagine. Where it takes this, this like, <laughs> I could. Fun fact, I could never watch Adventure Time because it made me feel lonely. <laughs> Why did it make you feel lonely? It spooked me out. It was spooky. Because I knew it was, like, about the apocalypse and spooked me. Oh, my gosh. I just didn't like it. It spooked me. I, I don't know. I'm scared. It was, like, a spooky fever dream. I couldn't handle it. Hmm. I'm trying to find one that doesn't have a supplemental picture. Thank, thank you, everyone, for sending in stories. It's nice to have ones with images, but don't forget we have a pod... It gets turned into a podcast, so it's good to yeah. use the theater of the mind... Kayla, what's this, like, spaghetti jacket you want? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there's a spaghetti jacket. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I meant to... I was like, what's happening here? I, Kayla wants a jacket made of spaghetti. <laughs> so there's just... I don't know. It's like a weird shag jacket, and it's, like, mustard okay. color, so it looks like spaghetti. And I just really like it, just, and I want it, um, and I just thought it would be a fair. good promo for the fact that I have a, a coffee, <laughs> if anybody wants to buy me a help, coffee. I was trying yeah, to do help. a fun promo. It's good. Help Kayla make poor fashion decisions, or good ones. Or good ones, depending on who you ask. Spaghetti jacket. Beautiful. I was like, spaghetti is it jacket. immoral to crowdfund a spaghetti jacket? Maybe. But, you know, think of how cool I would look in the spaghetti jacket. You'd look pretty cool. Thanks, I think so. Yeah. Okay, I have one pulled up. Do you want me to read it? Yes. Okay. This one comes from Alpha Doom. Each event in this story takes place over a single car ride whilst talking, taking my girlfriend home. From the moment we left the garage, I was checking the rearview mirror for cars, even though we were leaving the house at around 2 a.m. As I adjust the mirror, I see a pale muscular form only a foot away from the back window, too tall to see a head if it had one and too close to see feet if it needed any. I whipped around to see it with my eyes to make sure I was actually seeing something, and I remembered the time I was taking my girlfriend home and we drove past that pale, faceless triangle person a couple years ago and was worried my time had come. 
After turning and seeing nothing, I reversed quickly and began to drive. My girlfriend reassuring me it wasn't my time and maybe the pale creature was checking up on me for fun or something and we laughed it off. The next event to happen on our car trip happened while we were on a lonely freeway. Yeah, I'm a little confused. Did we... <laughs> the pale triangle thing. Alpha Doom, can you please clarify? Is that something we read before? Because I don't remember that one. Yeah, I feel I like I remember that one. Well, I'm throwing light switches in the chat, so... Yeah, also, this is like uh, the Alpha Doom casually being like, you know, the pale, muscular, triangle, faceless thing. It has the same energy as they don't like visitors. Oh my god, lady! Uh, the next event to happen on our car trip happened while we were on a lonely freeway due to it st being still around 2 a.m., closer to 2.30. While driving, I saw what I thought was a plane at first because it was a blinking light way up in the sky. I became less sure it was a plane when it started blinking in an odd pattern. I remember nope. it blinking rapidly and solidly in a pattern and it either moved across the sky extremely quickly or there were at least three balls of light blinking in response to each other. My girlfriend and I looked at each other and I suggested, it's probably aliens sending codes. <laughs> and she posited it could be a dying star and we agreed that it wasn't a plane or a helicopter. I looked up the blinking I could remember into a Morse code translator, figuring it would be gibberish, if anything, but to my surprise, it spelled out suffer. What? <laughs> That's it? Yeah, suffer? suffer. Just suffer, Yeah, huh? just suffer. Which, uh, okay. joke's on you aliens, I am, just by living, so. <laughs> we always suffer. It's working. Suffering. Oh. <sighs> okay. Finally. Once we're near our exit to get her home, a few minutes after seeing the ball of light dance across the sky out of sight, the other side of the freeway, a little past 2.30 a.m., was completely lit up with police lights and military trucks escorting a truck with an oversized load of huge metal structure that looked either loosely or hastily tarped. I slowed to try and get a better look since the freeway on our side was empty, but the escort was moving too quickly in the other direction. We talked about how the military probably grabbed either some alien junk or a ship and the aliens weren't happy about it. I commented how that was a really eventful trip home. Oh my god. I, just because I don't feel like aliens like to tell us to suffer, I'm just going <laughs> to say it's fiction because of that. Hmm. Well, you're right. It's... No, no. Uh, <laughs> Alpha Doom defines it as faction. Um, uh -oh. And to clarify, Alpha Doom says, okay. This story is mostly true. My girlfriend and I did see a ball of light in the sky dancing, blinking, and I did look it up in Morse code, but all I got was S-U-R over and over, which is still neat. My girlfriend, oh, weird. Yeah, my girlfriend and I huh. also did see like 15 police cars and eight military trucks escorting a massive, Ooh. loosely tarped metal structure, which I'm pretty convinced was something alien. Finally, you know... Those are drones. A lot of the time, oh, those are drones. Interesting. Like, you might... Because they're shaped that way. They're shaped like domes. Because I knew some people that saw one once. I, I th And I think that when they're rushing them... They could... I mean, obviously, it's totally possible. It's something alien. But I also think it's also totally possible that those are, like, military drones. Sure. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Alpha, Sir, or Alpha Doom's clarification on the first story is the pale figure at the beginning of the story was actually my hand in the mirror but i forgot i had my hand up and i scared myself i was very tired but that woke me up this also all truly happened on a single half hour car trip so wow alpha nice. doom please uh return to the triangle thing 
was that a real thing? Because, like, you can't casually be like, this reminds me of the pale faceless triangle man I saw. <laughs> Not a big deal. No. Everyone no, sees no, them. Okay, no, just triangle man. No, but the pop up. Triangle man, triangle man. Triangle man hates yeah, particles. Song, right? Triangle man. I remember that. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks. Cool. Thanks for the well, story. Yeah, thank you for the story, Alfred. That's, that's uh, great. I appreciate being scared, and uh, I don't like that it was doing Morse code at all. Yeah, so. S-U-R is also kind of unsettling. Maybe it's sir? sir? <laughs> Lady? Ma'am? Sir? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all for tuning into this week's Spooky Scouts. Yes. Uh, make sure to keep your eyes on the sky. But we next week we're going to be covering inter, if Bigfoot is interdimensional or yes, not. Yes, so make sure to finish up <laughs> so, your book because I sure haven't. Um, so I'm going to do I that. I mean, the literally the first two pages has like Bigfoot sex. Can't wait! I'm excited. So I'm very sorry to everyone, but I guess we didn't vet this one enough. Uh, or did we? Because <laughs> <laughs> or did we? <laughs> <laughs> so. Make sure to read uh, the Interdimensional I, Bigfoot book before next weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll be at PAX as well. So that's going to be fun if you're coming to PAX. It'll be fun. Um, lady! lady. <laughs> I got that. Okay, before I got Lady from this like meme that Jesse sent me that was just like a ceramic figure of a lady holding a chicken. And she was like pointing at the chicken's butt where it's got like clearly got a hole in it. And it just says, lady, you have to wait because <laughs> of the, it was like, the chicken's going to lay, lay an egg. It's like, lady, you have to wait. So I was like, lady, lady, you have to wait. So just pointing at the chicken's butt. Well, there you go. Um, but that's like my favorite meme of all time. So lady. it's just a weird ceramic figure of a lady pointing at a chicken's butt going, lady, you have to wait <laughs> <laughs> for the eggs. You have to wait. Oh my gosh. Ugh. All right. Take care of yourselves. Uh, stay cool. Hope no one's affected by the fires or whatever other horrific disaster in the appending collapses get thrown at you. And uh, we will see you next week. Okay, bye. bye. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us for another meeting of the Spooky Scouts. I'm Scoutmaster Kayla Klein, and you can find me on social media as at K-A-Y-N-C-L-I. And I'm Scoutmaster Holly Conrad, and you can find me on social media as at Holly Conrad or at Commander Holly, and you can find us both at WeGrowingHens.com. We hope you enjoyed learning and speculating with us tonight. If you want to find out more about the Spooky Scouts, you can find links to our social media, Discord, and more at SpookyScouts.com. You can offer the podcast some sustainable support and help us stay unbiased and ad-free by subscribing to Patreon.com slash Spooky Scouts for as little as $5 a month. Spooky Scouts is recorded live weekly on twitch.tv slash hens. See you next time, Scouts. And remember, keep your eye on the sky and dare to know.